We're going to preach on friendship tonight. So here we are at the part where David steps into the life of Jonathan, or Jonathan steps in the life of David, but here it is, and it just synced up perfectly with what we were doing this morning and tonight. But I want to start in 1 Samuel 17, verse 57. And so, uh, let, let me show you this. So, here's, here's what happens, and you need to see this before we get into eight, chapter 18, verse 1. And David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. That right there is just cool. I mean, come on, guys. How, how cool is that? You, you know, you go off the war, you do this. And I don't know how he did it because Goliath was a pretty big guy, all right? And so I don't know how big his head was, but we know that David had, or Goliath had a big head, you know, in both sense of the word. And, and I just have always pictured it of him grabbing him by the hair and just dragging it around. I don't know how it was. I just know that everywhere David went, he was dragging that head. So, and, 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 and he, the Bible says, and he, drew, and he had the head of the Philistine in his hand. So that's one way or the other. And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. And so here we have this conversation going on before the king, Saul, and before David. Now here's the thing that we often overlook. Off to the side, there is another young man standing there soaking up the entire conversation. And I'll show this to you in a minute. He is there excited. I mean, literally chomping out the bit to be part of what David is doing. He's ecstatic. He, he is, he is, he's been waiting for this. I believe he's been praying for this. This was a big deal. Who was the person that was standing next to him? Who can tell me? It was Jonathan. So chapter 18, verse 1. And I'm going to show you guys that here's what it is. David stood up as a leader. David was different. David had character. David had passion. People are drawn to people that have good character. People are rege will reject you all day long if you claim to go to church and you claim to be different, you claim to be Christ-like, and, and, and we, we lie, seat, and chill, uh, lie, cheat, and steal. It's been a very long weekend. <laughs> if you lie, steal, and cheat, and you, you, you are, can't be trusted at work, and you're known for being a backstabber, you're known for being a gossip, people will not want to be around you. I promise you. We see this character living out in David. He had conviction. And David went out there and said, is there not a cause? And David ran to the battle. You've got to understand, when you do that kind of stuff, you are inspiring other people. There, there's another generation standing there saying that I wish there was more people like that. Jonathan was one of those guys that observed the whole thing. Now listen to this. And it came to pass, chapter 18, verse 1, when he had made an end of his speaking unto Saul. Man, what wall was involved in that? I don't know. But here it is in the, in the middle of this, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the, with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. How cool is this? One was the king's son, and the other one was the son of a farmer. I mean, you, you think of it, you could not get two opposite ends of the spectrum of two very different people from very different backgrounds of there. I, I, I read, I, I like doing studies on this, and a lot of times stuff that I give you guys, it's speculation of them guessing. They said if they were not the same age, they were probably within five years of each other in age uh, of something like that. So Jonathan is listening to this conversation of everything going on as these men are having this group thing. Now, I don't know what was involved in that conversation when Saul brought him up 
and, and had him stand before the king. I, I don't know what was in that conversation, but I would imagine it was something like this. Because you can imagine, that you can't hear everything going on, and I can imagine Saul saying, hey, I, I, I'm a little curious. You, you guys exchanged some words out there before you cut his head off. What all did you say? Well, to be honest, Goliath said he was going to feed me to the birds. And he said, well, what did you say back? He said, oh, I told him I was going to cut his head off. And so you said, you know, I, I don't know what the conversation was of, of, of them doing this, but all I know is Jonathan's off to the side hearing every bit of this. And the Bible tells us in the middle of this that there is this bond that Jonathan is saying, dude, I want to hang out with that guy. His soul was knit with him. They, they had this common bond. Uh, bond. The word knit means to tie physically or mentally or be joined together or to be knit together to be stronger. You know who's doing this is God. You're going to find out that when you have Christians that run into each other and all of a sudden they have the common bond that they stand for righteousness, they stand for truth or whatever. If you have friends that only bring you down, listen to this, and I'm glad we have so many of the teens and young people here. If you have teens in your life that are drawn to you, it's probably because you have character that reflects them. You think about that. Most of the time, if you stand up for righteousness and you stand up for truth and you go out and something wrong turns on the radio and you just jam along with it or you go to a movie and they say, my dad and mom don't want me doing that and you turn around and you do it anyways, I guarantee you that type of character kind of connects together. And that person in that group that stands up and says, guys, I don't care what you do, I am not doing that. Eventually, they will cut you off. That's why there's the old saying, the birds of a feather flock together. You, you are drawn to the type of character that you are. And that's just truth in life. Guys, it's not just true for our young people. It's true with anybody. I, I've had older men come to my office telling me that they're 30, 40s, 50 years old, getting pulled back into the world and pulled back in the drink and pulled back in the smoking pot, doing all this because they got around the wrong people. And you're saying, what, what, what's going on here? I am telling you, when David was out there and he stood up there declaring this, and man, I seen for God, and is there not a cause? Jonathan's heart was beating, saying, man, this is the type of guy that I want in my life. Now, I'm going to show you guys something, because a lot of you think, man, you're just reading into that. No, there's parts of Scripture that we often overlook to, to, to not understand what's going on here. This is, this is the type of person that a Christian could, should click with. And that's what his soul was knit with. Your soul should click with people at work that stand there and say, you know what, that's not right, I'm not doing that. You say, hey, I feel the same way. I told him I'm not doing that either. And all of a sudden it says, man, we've got to stick together. And that's what's happening in this passage. So flip back. This is not the first mention of Jonathan. 1 Samuel 14, verse 1. We're going to tell a story, okay? Or the Bible's going to tell a story. And I'll skip through it because um, it's a longer story. But it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison, that this on the other, or on the other side, and he told not his father. Now, here, here you've got this guy, and he's sitting there. He's stirred up. Reminds me of somebody, okay? The Philistines are running over us. They're threatening us. I guarantee you they're getting ready for war. And all of a sudden, the young man that's named Jonathan is hearing this, and he's saying, you know what? I don't care what my dad's going to do. My dad should be going out there. I'm not going to tell my dad, and I'm just going to go myself. You can imagine, he's a young man. 
Look down to verse 6. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Listen to this. Listen to these words. You're saying, why were their hearts knit together? Why was there bond between these two teenagers in this? It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Does that sound familiar? Who's speaking right here? Who's speaking right here? I know you guys are tired. We lost our hour of sleep. It's Jonathan. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like what we read later when he's facing Goliath. He says, is there not a cause? Will God not fight for us? Should we not be doing something? All of a sudden, there's not, there's not just one young man out there standing for God. There's two of them. I love the fact that when God brings those people together, and that's what I'm going to bring out later in this thing, is the fact that God will bring the people in your life. Life is filled with struggles. But I'm going to show you that you're not here to fight the struggles alone. Watch what happened. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. How cool is this? So all of a sudden, Jonathan is the one saying, hey, we're going to go in there and we're going to do something. And I don't care if the army goes with us and I don't care if my dad goes with us. I don't care what's going on. And this is the king's son. He's saying, if this is what's going to go on, and this armor bearer, which is the other young guy sitting there saying, dude, I believe in you. If you're going to do that, I'll go with you. And if we die, then we die together. How awesome is that? Do you realize how much you influence other people? Do you understand that friendship in life should be iron sharpeneth iron? That's what's going on. That's what happens. And it's a chain reaction when it's good. You get the right people in your life that are going to sharpen you and call you out and push you. That's what's going on. Look at verse 8. Then, then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. He said, We'll make ourselves known unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and will not go up unto them. He said, I've got a plan, all right? They're going to call us out. When they do, we'll pop up, and they're going to say, You stay right there. And if they say thus, come up unto us, then we shall go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand. Once again, that's the same verbiage of what we hear when he goes out and fights Goliath. And this shall be a sign unto us, for both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison and the Philistine. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of their holes where they have hid themselves. And when the men of the garrisons answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, that we may show you the thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up uh, upon his hand and upon his feet, and his armor-bearer after him. And they fell upon Jonathan, and his armor-bearer slew after them. Listen to this, verse 14. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about twenty men. Within it was about a half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host, in the field, and among the people, and the garrison, and the spoilers. And they also trembled, and the earth quaked. So it was very, a very great trembling. Another young man. You know how often we jump straight, we just flip through the passage and say, let me tell you a story about a hero named David that stood up against Goliath. Because let me tell you about a hero named Jonathan that was stepping out way before David even got there, that was sneaking off to fight the enemy because he was stirred up in his heart that God can do great things. God has a unique way 
of people in life being able to bring them together at the exact time that they need them in life. They were connected. They stood for the same things. They both trusted in God. They both fought for God. The things that, that, that stirred up David is the same things that stirred up Jonathan. And God brought the right person into his right to help him this. Because I believe, I honestly believe that as much as David needed Jonathan, Jonathan needed David. You say, why is that? Because here it is, when David was out there speaking, saying, hey, is there not a cause? Shouldn't we do anything? And he overheard that conversation that the Bible says after that, his heart was knit with him. Because I don't believe his heart was knit with his own father. You think about that. His dad was the one on the sidelines all that time, sitting day after day, doing nothing. And I tell you, if Jonathan was the type of guy that literally says, if it's just us two, we're going to take down 20 Philistines, he was going crazy on the sideline, observing everything the Philistines were doing to them. Look at chapter 18, verse 2. David was genuine. David loved the Lord. It was obvious. And Saul took him that day and would have let him go no more home to his father's house. It's not that Saul cared that much about him. Saul just found a little token boy that was going to go and fight his battles for him and be able to do all these things. But I'll tell you, there was a bigger picture going on, and that's the fact that God called David to be king. And God's setting this young man up. Cool things happen. Watch this. God always has a plan of making it happen. He knows how to work it out. He knows what to put in place. Verse 3, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. This was showing great respect for David. See, uh, Jonathan was the son of a king. You you can think about that. And he made him a promise, a covenant with him, said that our friendship will never be destroyed by jealousy or anything else. Now notice this next verse. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robes that was upon him, and he gave it to David and his garments, even his sword and his bow and his girdle. Now, before we get into this, the very first thing that he took off and gave to him, now, you guys think about it, he was a prince. He was the son of a king. I, I looked that up and saw it, was trying to figure out what the symbolism there, what the depth of that was, was literally he took that which represented him being the next king and gave it to him. So you show more signs of that. And how in the world would he know that other than the Spirit of God? You, thought, you think about a contrast when we were looking at Saul that was arrogant, that wants David to be dead because he was jealous, and the one that would be the next king is sitting there saying, hey, God's calling you. I want you to have the position. I want you to do it. God's pulling these two guys together in this, opposite of this. How did he know the Spirit of God? Verse 5, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of the war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Paul, uh, or, or Saul sets him up to lead the people. And it's, it's not a coincidence. That's what God was planning to do from the very beginning. Put him into a position of authority. And, and I, I, want, I just want to, before we go any further, I, I want to pull out some things of this and make some application of this. Because that's the thing. I, I, I love the history behind it, guys. I love being able to see aspects of the Bible that we normally overlook and stuff. But we, we need to realize the importance of having godly relationships. And like I said, I'm not trying to repeat myself because I did this this morning. I was talking about Peter, James, and John. But let's go to this. Number one, true friendships are willing to sacrifice for one another. True friendships are those there that are going to push you forward for whatever God's leading you to do and not make it about ourselves. 
This should be in every single one of the aspects of her life. Here it was when, when uh, Jonathan realized what God was doing in his life, rather than saying, hey, that should be me, and I'm going to be the next king, and how dare you, and I wish I had this attention. He turned around and said, man, if God's working in your life, I want you to have it. Wouldn't that be great if that was the attitude of all of us? You guys realize that none of us are in competition? Everything that we do, we do for the glory of God. That's it. Everything that we do together, there is one goal at the end of it, and that's that we bring glory to God in everything that we do. But there can be a spirit of competition in us. There can be a spirit of jealousy in us. Guys, you don't have to strive towards it. It is human nature. It's in every single one of us. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't even have to desire it. It's already in you. Your flesh will make you jealous of other people. But that's not godly friendship. Godly friendship, over and over again, the Bible says to provoke one another to love and good works. Literally, you know what we're always doing? No matter what God is doing and stirring in your life, you push them forward to do better. When the Bible talks about exhorting one another, that's the same thing. The, the, the word exhorting also means call near. If I get ahead in my life and my spiritual walk with God, you know what my job automatically as a Christian is to do? I reach behind me and try to pull other people up. It's not a matter of climbing the ladder of success or getting ahead of other people or making a name for myself. The only name we make a name for is Jesus Christ. That's it. And I say that because if we could get that, when I was youth pastor, I had a group of teenagers that uh, was getting involved in the ministry here with Mrs. Denoff and singing and stuff. And uh, I, I had one of them that sang one Sunday and it was the back room and uh, I actually overheard the one girl telling her other friend, says, today I'm going to prove that I can outsing that other girl. I went in there and said, okay, all right, here's the thing. The only purpose you walk on that stage is to bring glory to God, not to outsing anybody. And I know that's teenagers and we look at it as just immature, but I'll tell you guys, we can all do that. We'll get jealous of who gets a part in the play or who gets recognized or the fact that he read his prayer request or my prayer request da, 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 and stuff. We've got, to, we've got to keep ourselves in check because we're all in this together. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We all want to provoke each other to do right. That true friendship in here, David and Jonathan are there. God brought them together for a specific purpose because David is about to face a lot of bad stuff. You guys know what happens next. Uh, actually, uh, Pastor Michael illustrated this a little bit. The very next verses that we're going to read in just a minute, when he pulled out the throne, is, is Saul tries to kill David. What, what gets you through those hard times? I'm going to tell you what. I know it's God. I know it's the Spirit of God. But it's also friends that help you through. It's not a coincidence. We get to chapter 18, and right before we get to all the controversy and the headaches and the problems and the fighting, God says, by the way, I've got something for you. His name is Jonathan. He's going to have your back. Who's got your back? Whoever it is, it's not a competition. You push them forward. He did that. Um, number two, a friendship stands up for another, uh, one another. A true friendship stands up for one another. Hey, let me just look for it. I, I know we're getting off as for like staying in sequence. We'll get back to this. L look at this. I just want to emphasize why God did this. God helped him. God gave him this gift through his struggle. Chapter 19, verse 4. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul, his father. Now this is at a passage. This is at a time where all of a sudden uh, Saul hates David. Saul gets consumed with jealousy. Saul hates his guts. Now Jonathan, his own son, ends up stepping in the way, knowing that his dad eventually wants to kill him too. His dad was, became wicked and evil. 
and all this. In the middle of that, you know what, you know what he does? He stood up in the, in the, it doesn't matter about what was going to come his way. He said, hey, Dad, David's a good guy, and you're speaking unjustly against him. You know what that tells us? True friendships are those that stand up for one another and speaks truth and pours into them and loves them no matter what. Jonathan was not jealous of David. David was getting all the attention and he didn't care. He was standing up for him. Number three, true friendship helps bear the burdens of their friends. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 41. Notice how God's showing up in all these. As soon as uh, the lad was gone, David rose up out of the place toward the south and he fell on his face to the ground and he bowed himself three times and they kissed one another and wept with one another until David exceeded. Now before you guys get any weird thoughts about this, um, this was not an immoral or improper relationship whatsoever. You talk about that, and I know that the world has taken this passage and, and twisted this. This is not what it was. This was a friendship, and, the, and the, the, the kiss of embrace that they were talking about, they did that as part of their tradition and things back in this time. But what you find is David was going through a really hard time. David was running for his life. Jonathan shows up in his life literally just to love on him, encourage him, and push him forward. It's what friends do. And, uh, look at this. Uh, 1 Samuel 23, verse 15. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in the wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. I don't know what that looks like for you, but there should be application of that. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's just knocking on somebody's door. Sometimes it's going out of your way in church to beeline for somebody that you haven't seen any for a long time. Just to sit there, wrap your arms around them and say, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm praying for you. I love you and I'm here for you. Guys, that goes a long, long way. That's what we do. Especially those that God has brought into your life. That's what he was doing. When the Bible talks about bearing one another's burdens, that this is bearing each other's burdens. He was doing that through prayer or encouraging words or whatever it might be. I believe that Jonathan was simply being a blessing to David in this time of need. And that's what Christians do. I, I, I believe, and I'm not going to get off on this, but if you read Acts chapter 4, you see how they came together in supporting one another. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. They came together. I believe the harder days are ahead of us, guys. I really do. I believe complications and challenges of... of uh, of raising kids and, and being a light in this messed up world. And I, I believe that there needs to be a knit and a bond inside the body of Christ. And if you're not careful, I promise you, I promise you, Satan will do anything to divide us. Conflict or whatever. You have a problem with somebody, let me tell you what to do. Matthew 18. If you have ought against your brother, you go to that brother and you talk to him. That's what you do. We don't turn our backs on one another. Is there going to be problems? Yes. Do any of you have brothers and sisters? Did you ever, any of you fight with your brothers and sisters? If you didn't, you were weird, okay? We, we, we fought continuously. But you know what it was? At the end of the day, we were still brothers and sisters and we still loved each other. In the, in the house of God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to fight. We're going to have disagreements. Why? Because we're all made of flesh. And as long as you're made of flesh, you're going to irritate one another. It, it's even going to be heightened right now. Here it is. I've been with some of you guys more than I've been with my own wife and kids over the last two days. We were here morning till night yesterday, morning till night today with the work day and things like that. We're around each other. You cannot be tired and work around one another and not get irritated with one another. But you know what we do? We make it right. 
That's what we do because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I said all that to get you to this. 1 Samuel chapter 8, or 18, verse 6. So you see, God did this. These first five verses was all about God saying, David, I'm going to give you something. David, I'm going to bless you. David, I'm going to give you something to face all the adversity. And, and that's why I wanted to t- turn the page, turn the page. You know what you find? You find Jonathan, 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 Jonathan showing up to love his brother because they were knit in heart for doing right. Look at verse 6. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets and with joy and with instruments of music. And the woman answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath killed, has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and saying, displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and unto me they have ascribed but thousands. And it can be done more to have, but, uh, sorry. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Satan is no fool. So when he does, he knows the future that David had for serving God. And what he does is he stirs up and uses the tool. You know one of the big fat tools that Satan has in his arsenal against us? I know it's pride. You can see pride all over this. But guys, I'm telling you, what you're going to see it is jealousy. Did you see what more is he going to have? My kingdom? He said that physically out there. But let me tell you, beside what you say, there's a whole lot more behind what you think. We might not come out and say a lot of things, but I tell you, jealousy is, is evil, evil, evil. And you might not come out and say, I'm just jealous of you, but, but it comes out a lot of ways. You'll speak evil of people. You get agitated with people. You can't be kind to people. You can't forgive people because you're jealous. You know why he was jealous? Because he saw God working in his life. You know what we should do? When God gives somebody a great victory, man, it should have been where Saul came up to him saying, dude, none of this would be possible without you. God used in a great way today. Praise God for your ability. Praise God for what you did. But instead, when he started getting the attention, did you guys notice when that's when everything turned? Everything began to turn when somebody else got attention. And man, it is so weird. It is so weird how we are, even with friendship circles of, of you know, the teenagers. Guys, be careful. All of you should be friends. Every single one of you should be friends. But sometimes, all of a sudden, you'll see one of your friends talking to somebody else. That's my friend, and we end up getting bitter and anger against them. And I tell you, that's a work of the devil. That's not anything that God wants in the church. So here he is. This enemy arises, and I'll close with this. And the Bible says that he was very wroth. Never, ever underestimate the power of your flesh. What we see in, in these next few verses, and I'll close out, in, and I, I think after me and Pastor uh, Dave and I have talked, I might, I might be continuing this next week. But he began to have this sin begin to grow in his heart. And the only thing that keeps us in check, let me tell you guys, the only thing that keeps us in check with, with jealousy and pride is the Spirit of God working in your life. Now, we've already seen that the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon David, but, but when Saul, God, God took his hands off him, all he was was flesh. When you're in your, the flesh, your, your jealousy will grow, your hatred will grow, your bitterness will grow. But when you're in the Spirit of God, God pulls all those things out. And I'll show you next week if we're able to get into this, how the fact that David stood before God and he behaved himself wisely, in the middle of all that, he never puffed up. He just wanted God to get the glory through all of this.
So let me close by just saying this. Well, there's a lot of application that comes to this. And I think that we're going to face a lot of struggles. But I think the person next to you could be the very gift of God that God's giving you to face all the trials in your life. Whether that's a spouse, whether that's a parent, whether that's a child, whether that's a friend that you grow up in this church. Those things are important. We should fight for those things. We should defend those things.